Andy Bates. In studio with me today, Chaplain Brad Thomas. He serves with Lutheran Senior Services at Meridian Village in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Chaplain Thomas, welcome. Thank you. Good to see you, Andy. Good to see you, too, and have some time to talk with you about your vocation as a chaplain. What led you to this vocation? When did you start thinking about the, the possibility of being a chaplain? When I was in the workforce, place. I was in a business position and uh, somewhat outspoken Christian, I guess, because my boss would tease me about being um, the corporate chaplain. And uh, that planted a seed. And uh, I worked there quite a while, but uh, due to economic realities, I was laid off. I'd been there 12 years looking for what's next. And um, praying about it, seeking God's direction. And uh, during that time, this was actually at the time of the 9-11 attacks, um, watched a video that a pastor who had served as a fireman chaplain in Ground Zero had circulated. And something struck me, and that's what I want to do. I want to be there for people in need with God's word. And so the idea of a chaplain in the workplace was something that I had in mind. To do that within the Missouri Synod, that means you go to the seminary and become ordained. There are plenty of other chaplain or agencies that don't require that, um, but I was not going to leave the Missouri Synod, and so decided, well, I guess I'm going to the seminary. Um, trusting the Lord to lead throughout the whole process, recognizing that he would uh, he could easily derail the whole thing, <laughs> and um, which would have been a blessing if that was not the direction to go. And interestingly, this is a time that um, my wife-to-be and I, um, we got back together. We had been apart, and I told her the plan and told her how she could easily derail this herself if this was not in in uh, kind with what she would be willing to do. But she went along with it, and um, so went to the seminary. And uh, they don't have a particular track for chaplaincy, but it was, again, on my mind, not saying God put it there, um, but I did tell people that I had an interest. Um, the idea is that I'd been in a workplace, realized the challenges of being a Christian, period, but in a secular world, and, and the challenges in the workforce, um, not just for me, but for everybody, that, that uh, we spend much of our waking time in the workplace and often integrating personal life with work life and um, relationships uh, develop and uh, struggles are real. And so recognizing what a, a, an opportunity to encourage and support one another um, so I can understand the idea of a workplace chaplain from that point of view. Um, at the seminary, they train you theologically and, and uh, most of the guys are gonna be parish pastors. And so it's not like they have a lot of opportunity to specifically train you on being a, a chaplain, let alone workplace chaplain. However, um, as I mentioned this to people, uh, it was suggested that if I really wanted to be a chaplain, I should consider CPE, clinical pastoral education. So I did, 
considerate and was accepted into a CPE program. Um, I served uh, one summer credit at Barnes in St. Peter's, Missouri, and then a full year of Vicarage CPE with Lutheran Senior Services and um, gained my CPE experience and Vicarage experience combined in an institutional setting. So, what and from there, then that eventually led to where you serve today. You now serve as chaplain for Lutheran Senior Services at Glen Carbon, or at Meridian Village in Glen Carbon. That's right. What do you do as a chaplain? What does a chaplain yeah. uh, at, at LSS do? Well, I'm there for all the people, regardless of faith or lack of faith, and that includes our residents, as we refer to the people who live there, their family members, and staff. And uh, I focus on bringing the Word of God to people wherever they may be, but also recognize there are many people there who um, are not Christian, uh, certainly not Lutheran, minority or Lutheran but recognizing God's love for them. And uh, so I have regularly scheduled um, worship services, Bible studies, and I make visits focusing on those uh, acute needs, such as if somebody goes to the hospital, if somebody's dying, um, or something's brought to my attention where I want to attend to them the best I can with the Word of God, and there's more than enough uh, to fill my day. <laughs> um, but that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm I'm bringing God's Word to people in a in a setting that's outside of the parish, but it is a defined setting in terms of people who choose to live there, and their family members, and people who choose to work there. Um, and respecting the fact that they're not there because of uh, me. Um, they're there because they want to live there. It's a nice place to live, a nice place to work, and I just get to be there to serve God's Word. What, uh, paint a picture for us yeah. of what that looks like, whether it's a day-to-day basis or, or a one-time story, you know, a mm. one-time situation where thought, this is really what it means to be a chaplain. This is why I'm a chaplain. Yes, and there are plenty. Um, And to go back to why was I thinking chaplain, I wasn't brought up in the church, and so my perception of pastors um, didn't develop from young on up. Um, But I found that I really appreciated the pastors that I knew in the one-on-one settings or small group settings, those relationships were more effective for me in my personal faith growth. And um, so I, I recognize, well, this is a powerful um, way to encourage, to develop uh, people's faith is in the smaller settings, one-on-one, the relationship building. And that's, in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'm no pastor. I'm not the guy who's going to be preaching, but I can tell people about Jesus in these smaller settings, you know. And um, so chaplaincy serves that well in the sense that you develop relationships. And where I'm at at Meridian Village, we have, uh, I think, 330 residents and 
couple hundred staff, and so you have a, a relatively small community that you spend a lot of time around. And so my office is in a nice centrally located place, uh, and I walk around a lot to to visit people. And so I'm visible and able to engage casually, frequently. And so what happens, uh, God works through these things in ways that I, uh, you know, don't worry about. He just happens to make these things work. But it's one person that comes to mind. Um, this relationship developed casually. This person had been a churchgoer in his youth, but then stopped. And this happens a lot um, and had been away from church quite a while. And uh, he's in his 80s. This person is no longer with us. But we developed kind of a friendship and and he would actually go to the church services that I have in the chapel. And uh, we have a, a mutual friend, a Christian lady, Lutheran, who's very um, much an evangelist and loves to talk about Jesus. And so in a way we were double teaming this guy uh, unintentionally, but just um, as God was directing things but it did become more intense. This this guy happened to be a Marine and a journalist. And so, you know, a, a tough kind of identity uh, for himself. And um, although at the time I met him, I, I didn't consider him tough. He was, he was very kind and personable. Um, but his background, his identity, and this is one of the things that I recognize in this setting, we have older adults, is that many people uh, have strong identities from their their um, their vocations in life and and um, successful in in many ways, and yet when we get older, we face these hard realities of of decline, physical, often mental, and and giving up many things that the identity that we had, the the ability to do things we used to do, possessions friends die, family, um, and we're suffering the effects of the law in, in many ways. And so um, this gentleman in that f- position in life, looking back and coming to terms with something that God had given him early in his life, but he had walked away from this faith in Jesus as a savior. For him, a sinner who has overcome death, the death that he and most people in their 80s are anticipating. And um, so he was more receptive to the gospel than he had been when he was a tough Marine or a hard-nosed journalist or, you know, in the prime of life. Anyway, lo and behold, the Lord working through many people, um, brought this man to a a very definitive point where he laid out his own written arguments that he wanted to show me how he had processed this uh, dealing in his own way with the reality of Jesus Christ, crucified, risen for him. And and we rejoiced in that and uh, really celebrated this faith that... um, you know, God had not abandoned this man, even though he had 
walked away for so many years. And so we we had a kind of a re uh, um, remembrance of his baptism because he had been baptized and uh, did this in the public worship service and um, a powerful moment for our mutual friend and me that we still recall fondly. Um, and I was able to do his funeral and um, talk about this, uh, which is another opportunity I get many times is many funerals. Funerals often have non-believers or, or people who are shaky in their faith hearing this amazing news about uh, Jesus who has overcome death and the promise of the resurrection for those who die in faith in him. And um, so that that's a, a situation where um, he was there at the community. The relationship developed organically, you might say, or just because we're in proximity and we were able to connect. And it happens a lot. It happens with... Um, the people who are there and we have had baptisms um which are amazing uh the, the um we had a couple who they were there the the um the wife was in our care center that's we have extra nursing attention skilled nursing and her husband was in independent living both in their 90s and um in a conversation found out they had never been baptized and she was coming to services and so we talked about baptism and um, rather than do the baptism at Meridian Village which I've done I realized that it's more appropriate to get them connected to a church and so I asked is there a, a church that you would like to join and I didn't specify Lutheran as much as I would like to. <laughs> um, want to respect, you know, where they might want to join. And I, I was grateful that uh, she picked a Lutheran <laughs> congregation, and because of a connection with family, and uh, I know the pastor, and so we talked, and um, we ended up doing the baptism there. I did the adult instruction with both mm -hmm. of them at Meridian Village, and then we had the baptism at this church, Good Shepherd in, in Collinsville. And um, they both died um, within months of that time. Um, but it's another example of people um, near the end of their life being saved, <laughs> um, having this um, This awareness that life is is um, temporal as we know it, but God is eternal, and recognizing that God never gives up on <laughs> these people, and He wants all mm. all to be saved. And so that's one of the amazing things about being in a setting with older adults is that you realize there's some urgency. People's lives may end any moment of course that's true for any of us no matter what our age but it becomes more acute when you're older and the recept receptiveness to people later in life to hearing the only thing that can really give us hope in the midst of the realities of dying 
death and anticipating that. Uh, what was what has been your most challenging day in your vocation as a chaplain? I'm not good at recalling specific days. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are there are challenges that I, that I could say are, are um, personal that would occur no matter what I was doing in life, parish <laughs> <laughs> pastor or business manager or whatever. Uh, but, there, but then specific to being a chaplain, you have some unique situations for um, for me as a as a as a called and ordained minister of the word. Um, I'm serving in an office recognized by by our church body, but not recognized by many people outside of um, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, or outside of the church. Period. Non Christians and working with them, working for people who are not understanding what does this mean to serve in the office? So that has a lot of built-in um, tension, if you will. Um, so that's one of the, that, that can lead to challenges as far as um, not getting um, support that, that you may hope for or want in different ways. Another challenge I would say for this older adult situation is the reality of, of um, grieving loss in that um, it, it, it compounds and it can be more intense perhaps at times because of the frequency of death and the frequency of this grieving that people are going through, grieving the loss of their identity, their health, uh, many things. And so that it takes its toll on people who are around them. And those of us serving as, as chaplains included, um, we feel that. And, and so there's that compassion fatigue thing that can strike um, sometimes severely when there's a, a short succession of, of deaths of people that you've come to know. And, um, and that's a real thing. What are some misconceptions about the vocation of chaplain? What are some misconceptions about what you do, Chaplain Brad? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose um, people will create their own definition, idea of what a chaplain should do. And, and, and um, chaplains, uh, for many people, are supposed to be just nice guys who um, do whatever you want. And um, I'm not that <laughs> sometimes I'm nice, but I'm not necessarily going to do whatever you want. I, I, um, I recognize that I have a responsibility to bringing God's word to the people where I'm called to serve. And so um, not being able to just do anything and be all things for all people uh, can throw people off, coworkers, managers, you know, they think, oh, wait, you're supposed to do this. And, and I may have to push back and say, well, actually, um, I have more important things that I need to focus on. Yeah. How do you bring God's word, his mercy to those you serve? Being there as God's spokesperson and speaking those words is how I do it, how chaplains do it in these times of obvious need and hurt. And um, 
And this also adds to the challenge, but the dependence on God's word is, I don't know what to say often when people are hearing that they are dying, Mm. that they are suffering a chronic pain, that their child has died, or many situations, I I can't make it better. I, I don't have any ability to do that. I fall on the words that were given and point them to Christ, speak of what he has done, the one who's entered into our suffering, fully aware of what we're going through, and tell them that he has overcome this. And so knowing this pain is real and suffering is real, we also have this reality that Jesus Christ has overcome this and he promises us resurrected lives and eternity with him and his kingdom, free of the maladies, the suffering that we endure now. I get to do that and I get to observe how people respond and um, often they tell me how much they appreciate it and I realize that all I'm doing is speaking words that God has given us to speak and so I'm not doing a lot humanly speaking except being that real person in the flesh with them And, and yes I care about these people and speaking God's word to them, um, and they get to hear it. They get to look in my eyes. They get to know that it's real, and uh, and it, if you will, tangible evidence of God's love for them in the flesh. And it's not exclusive to chaplains or pastors. We all, as Christians, do this and get to do this. But I get to um i get paid you know it's (laughs) i get paid to do this this is my call to do that and so it's quite a privilege to be able to do that and go to people in need and give them the only hope that that we that any of us have my guest today chaplain brad thomas chaplain at lutheran senior services meridian village in glen carbon illinois chaplain thomas thanks for being my guest thank you andy my pleasure Mm -hmm.